you can you know pray for Chip and Bonnie. Um, we could tell he wasn't right when he came in this morning, so we pray it's nothing serious, and um, so we'll keep him in, in prayer. One of the the hallmarks, I guess, of the holiday season. Uh, WOBM started playing Christmas carols. I don't know if you know that, right? They started playing, and they play some good ones. They play some not-so-good ones, like you never want Grandma to get run over by a reindeer, right? Um, but, you know, they're still bold enough to put the name of Christ over the air, so we appreciate that. And worship is a big part of what it means to be a Christian. It really is. The fact of the matter is that music sometimes, many times, speaks to hearts better than a sermon can. And um, so as, as we, we're not going to do any Christmas hymns today. I got some regular hymns in here uh, for us today that apply to the message. But as we go into the Christmas season, pay attention to the words. Pay attention to... Uh, the the theology in some of these great songs. Uh, the first song we're going to do, uh, Rat, Matt Redman uh, wrote this in response to how commercialized we have made worship. You know, um, we we in some senses churches have had battle of the bands. You know, you know who's who's the better worship team? Who's this? Who's that? Uh, listen. I'll take somebody who's off key as long as their heart is to worship God. The heart of worship's not about us. It's all about him. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask the ladies to come forward. If you're able to, would you stand, please? Is yours 
every single breath. I'll sing you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. Carl, if you would turn the lights back on, there's a switch right on the side that you can dim them. Look on the switch. All right. To the left, of the, to the right of the switch, there's a toggle. Put the toggle. No, no. To the right of the switch. Janine will show you. There you go. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Um, would anybody say that the world isn't crazy? It seems like it's getting crazier by the day, doesn't it? But we never forget that our victory is in Christ. He had the victory over sin, over Satan and death. And when he, come back, when he comes back again, he's going to right all the wrongs. That's his promise. So our victory... Isn't Jesus? You know, sometimes we live like defeated people as believers. Uh, A.W. Tozer said that if you want to pick out a, cr uh, a believer in a crowd, pick out the one with the saddest face. Uh, and in some cases, he's right. Uh, recently, we, somebody just used the phrase, are we the frozen chosen? You're supposed to laugh at that. We need to live every day being the victors. Because if Christ is for us, who can be against us? He saw me and bought 
plunged me to victory beneath the glancing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again and cause the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory, Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me Plunge me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory oh victory jesus my savior forever he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me Plunge me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Chip does a good job on Sundays, right? I have to struggle for the microphone. <laughs> Revelation song. This is one of the... the uh, I'm not even sure if it's new anymore, but it, it's a contemporary song. And the words in there are precious. So as we sing this, I ask that you would sing this prayerfully. Listen to the words, hear the words, and mean what you sing. The Revelation song. Sits on heaven's mercy. 
singing. You may be seated. For our responsive reading today, I, told, I chose this um, for a specific reason. Since we're coming into the holiday season, Can I put this? I was at the checkout line yesterday. 
uh, in Shoprite, and you know, have to have the magazines, you know, on the side, so you you would get them. Usually around this time, uh, you know, they'll put out who is Jesus or you know who is Mary and that type of thing. Well, Life decided to put out the issue of the real story of Santa Claus. I mean, they can publish whatever they want, but this is not about Santa Claus. This is about Jesus. Would you read this with me, please? This is Jesus speaking in the Gospel of John. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen me. Whoa. A lot of uh, people like to believe there's many ways to God, and there isn't. It's only through the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross for us. My prayer is that that rings out loudly this holiday season. Um, again, listening to the news, uh, the Thanksgiving Macy's Day Parade. Uh, of course, you know, the, the big deal Macy's puts it on uh, is Santa at the end. But they said, hey, we have a new float this year. And I'm saying, oh, well, this is interesting. You have anything to do with faith at all? No, baby shark. Baby shark. Baby shark float. If you ever heard the song, it's very annoying. Um, and you know, I said, okay. And, and, I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is Without Jesus, these days have no meaning, right? And we really need to, to, to hear that. So as we pray together, I'll ask uh, whoever's going to help with the collection to come up. And um, there's a couple of things I, I'd like to pray for. First of all, I'd like to pray for Chip that, you know, he's okay. And that's, thank you. Um, and uh, I, I still want to pray for our country. Um, our country is in turmoil, unfortunately. Uh, people have short fuses, and um, I'm, I'm praying for God, if he so wills it, to bring a spiritual awakening to this country. We need him. Let's pray. Father, we want to lift up our brother Chip right now that uh, he might feel better, that whatever is going on, Father, would not be serious. Uh, he's got such a great heart. He wanted to be here, but um, he just couldn't do it today. And so, Father, watch over him and Bonnie. We pray for a good outcome, that you would strengthen him and bring him back to health again. I pray also, Father, uh, for our country. Um, Pray that for this holiday season that we would focus on the miracle of the incarnation. Jesus becoming flesh and coming into the mess of humanity. Jesus, we need you now more than ever before. I pray for our country that 
God, if you so will, that you might send a spiritual awakening to our country, not for Mohammed, not for Buddha, not for anyone else, but for the person and work of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to be a light in a dark world. Help us to be salt in a bitter world because that's what you command us to do. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. So as we give and worship now, Father, we pray that you would receive these tithes and offerings and help us use them for the furtherance of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good, and all the time. As we uh, near the end of Ecclesiastes, uh, listen, this, this preaching on this has to be the most difficult, I think, I've had uh, in all my years in, uh, in ministry because uh, Solomon almost writes this like Proverbs. Uh, he goes from one thought to another, then to another, you know, and you say, okay, hey, Sol time out. I'm, I'm looking for all the connection here. And sometimes it, it gets maddening. But as I, I look through uh, chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12, um, I found out that what Solomon is trying to do here is give us directives about living life with God, not apart from God, but with God. A life apart uh, from God is meaningless. That's what he's been saying, correct? Uh, now, I, I, I need to define this because you can, you can believe in God and not live for him, correct? You can try to put one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. It ain't going to work. What Solomon is talking about here is living life, cherishing every day, and understanding every day is a gift from God, and that because he gives us this gift, in everything we do, we need to glorify him. And we need to take our marching orders from him. Does that make sense? All right. Um, you know, one of the unfortunate things uh, about having church on Sunday, which is when we should, and we should have church, is that people think, okay, you know, I've come, I've done my duty for the week. So Monday morning comes around and it's like, oh, it's Monday, you know. And we go about our business as if nothing has changed. But the whole point of the gospel is having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have a true encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, everything changes. Everything. It doesn't mean you're holy overnight. But what it does is wait, raise your awareness that for the first time you're under new management. That makes sense? Under new management. We were, I had to pick up my suit from the cleaners yesterday and right near the cleaners is a UPS uh, store. 
and they have a big banner outside that says, under new management. The moment that we receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that banner was hung in our hearts for us, under new management. Prior to that, we belonged to the devil. We didn't even know it, did we? But that's what the Bible says. We were of the kingdom of this world, and yet Jesus came to have what? Victory over this world. So I'm going to bring you through this passage, and I titled the message, Cherish Every Day. Every day. At prayer meetings on Tuesday mornings, because we're an older crew, I use that lightly, it's common to hear about doctor's appointments, the aches and the pains, um, the things of life, and that's fine, but we have to realize that we have to cherish every day, no matter what. No matter what. It, and, and that's not an artificial thing. That's not to say, hey, listen, you know, you're, you're going for a doctor's appointment and, uh, you know, you, you, you may get a bad report. I don't know. But even if that happens, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word, we don't have to like it, but we still have to glorify God. And we can't do that on our own. That's why we need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And so, Solomon, the richest man in the world. Who's the richest man in the world now? Well, I don't know if it's Gates. I don't know who it is. Musk, Elon Musk, right? Uh, these, these are the rich. Yeah. These are the richest people in the world. But all you have to do is look at some of these lives and you realize that money doesn't buy happiness. Money can't buy peace, right? That only comes through a settled relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you remember Jesus telling a story about a, um, a widow who put her last couple of cents into the offering? And she said, he says of the widow when, you know, people always grumble, you know, you know, look at her, you know, she's a beggar. She, she's and Jesus says, I tell you, this woman has more faith than all of you put together. See, Jesus didn't look at the size of the gift. He looked at the size of the heart. And so we need to be reminded of these things. And. Let me bring you through the first several verses uh, of this. And see, now listen, if this gets confusing, I apologize for Solomon. We're going to have to have a talk with him when I see him. But it starts out, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, uh, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight, and uh, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. What? The scholars go between two interpretations here. The first interpretation is that 
Um, this is a businessman who needs to know what it means to take a risk, to invest wisely, not foolishly, wisely. Some take it to, to mean uh, giving generously to whoever. I think both meanings apply here, but look at the principle here. He's saying invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. He's, you know, our modern, our modern term for that would be don't put your eggs all in one basket, right? Diversify. Anytime you invest, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's whatever, it's risky. You know why? Because we don't control everything. You can invest in something and it can be a complete flop, correct? You can spend time with somebody and they can turn it back on you. I want to say to you the riskiest venture of all is to love like Jesus loved. Does that make sense? Because when you love like Jesus loved, you make yourself vulnerable. You love the person in spite of themselves many times. That's the way Jesus loves. That's the way Jesus commands us to love. So whether we invest our money, whether we invest our time, our, our gifts, our talents, it's all to glorify God, not us. One of the most freeing things in the world is to give to somebody without expecting any return. Isn't that true? You give and not expect any return. That's a true gift, by the way, right? You give and there's no strings attached. No, this is for you. We want you to enjoy this. We want you to have this. And this is the way God is with us, correct? When Jesus healed the lepers, he healed them. And only one came back to say thank you. But he didn't unheal the other nine. All right? He didn't say, you ungrateful things, you know, here, your leprosy's back. No, he still loved them, even though they walked away from him. Love is risky. Love put Jesus on the cross. You realize that? Because he was so vulnerable. He was a threat to the powers. He was a threat to the religious establishment. But Jesus lived every day to glorify the Father and to love people. I can't emphasize this enough. We need that desperately. You know what that's called biblically? Moral courage. We need people of moral courage who know to do the right thing, to do the right thing in the power of the Holy Spirit, even though it may involve risk. Let's, let's go on here, we'll see. Listen to the language here. If, a cloud, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Uh, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in a place where it falls, there will lie. And I'll put this in context in a minute. He says, whoever watches the wind will not plant, or whoever looks to the clouds will not reap. What Solomon is saying here, look, 
when when you plant something, you plant it with the expectation it's going to grow. But unbeknownst to people who preach climate change, we can't control the weather. Right? We can't control the weather. We don't control when the rain comes out of the clouds or we can't control the wind. We can't control any of that. God does. But whoever looks to the clouds will not reap. What Solomon is saying here, look, if you don't take any reasonable risk, you'll never do anything. This is the image of a farmer saying, I can't plant today, you know, it's too windy. Or if I plant it tomorrow, maybe windy and the wind will take the seeds away. Or, you know, gee, I can't plant today. It looks like it's going to rain, you know. Uh, and whatever excuse, we can be paralyzed by fear. And yet, Solomon says, take the risk. You never know what comes back. Do you realize most of you, I would bet, encounter people you shared the gospel with, some of, of whom you never see again, correct? Well, that's okay. You took a risk of love, shared the gospel, and who knows, they may come to Christ. That's God's business. But unlike the farmer, we're called to lovingly sow seeds of the gospel with other people and leave the rest to God. We, you know, not to coin an old adage, uh, but it's true. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? And he doesn't have to let us in on it. And this is what Solomon's saying here. As you do not uh, know the path of the wind or the body uh, or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Wow. When will we get it through our heads that we're not the ones in control? Right? Yeah, and somebody today will read this and say, we don't know the path of the wind. Well, yeah, hey, Pastor, you know, we got uh, anemometers that show us the speed and, you know, the direction of the wind. Yeah, okay. But who made the wind? Okay. Uh, does it give you notice when it's going to shift? You know? Uh, how, well, Pastor, we know how, how a, a baby's formed in a mother's womb. Oh, yeah? Okay. And who made the DNA to tell that human being where all his or her parts should go? We can't fully understand the work of God. Because he's God, we're not. And, and he's the maker of all things. Solomon says, sow your seed in the morning and at the evening let your hands be not idle. 
for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, whether both will do equally well. <laughs> Boy, we want answers and we want them yesterday, right? But many times God doesn't work like that. But here's the things that we should plant our feet on. Every day we need to ask ourselves, are we doing what God has commanded us to do? And if the answer to that is yes, then you've had a good day. Isn't that true? You leave the results to him. Yeah, but pastor, you know, I, I spoke to my neighbor, you know, and I, I just mentioned, you know, that Jesus died for him and, uh, or her, and they went off on a tangent. You know, so, yeah, what do you care? You planted a seed. Now it's up to God and them. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. And, and again, you know me well enough is you don't badger anybody with the gospel. You build a relationship with people so that you can earn the right to share the gospel. Now, speaking about building relationships, Solomon in this next section is saying, look, you want to know how to live in God's wisdom? Start to build a relationship with God through Jesus Christ when you're young. When you're young. You know why? Because if you're like me, you look in the mirror and you say, when did this happen? It just seemed like yesterday I had a lot more hair, you know. It was jet black. I didn't have wrinkles and, and all of this stuff. But... Yeah, Yogi Berra had a great saying. The end comes quickly. And what he's saying in this passage is saying while you're young, enjoy your youth, but do it within the guidelines of God. Don't do it foolishly. Do it within the guidelines of God. Build a relationship with him. And so you can, you can begin to learn what it is to live wisely in this world that wants to get rid of God. Pick up some of the imagery here. Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. Isn't that right? Okay. However, many years, uh, however, many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. Well, you know, Gloria just had her 85th birthday, right? And, you know, if God gives her 85 more years, I hope she enjoys them all. <laughs> but lest I look, there are 365 days in a year. And every day is an opportunity to cherish the day God has made. But let them, be let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. In other words, our youth doesn't last as long as we like it, right? You know, uh, I can remember when I turned 30 years old, uh, my mother-in-law told me I was middle-aged. And I said, what? I'm middle-aged? Yeah, you're middle-aged. So, oh, it's news to me. But age comes. 
All right? It comes fast. In Yogi's words, it comes too fast. Right? Everything to come is meaningless. In other words, he's saying, listen, learn to live wisely according to the scriptures. Build a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Read the word. Pray. Develop fellowship with God. Worship him. And ask God to give you the wisdom to live in a way that glorifies him in everything you do. Remember James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? Let him ask of God, and he will give it generously. Generously. The problem is, will we listen to the answer? Right? But the answer is always better than our answer. Let's continue on here. You who are young, be happy while you are young. Uh, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart. And whatever your eyes see, but know that all these things God will bring will bring you into judgment. Here's what Solomon is saying to young people. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. It, you know, it, it's good to have the energy of youth, correct? It's good to, to have a curious, a healthy, curious mind uh, like many young people have. It's, it's, it's good to be alert, you know? It, all of that stuff is good. But listen, don't live carelessly. Live wisely according to what God wants. Otherwise, God will bring you into judgment. Now, young people don't live, leave here thinking that this gives you permission to do anything you want. It does not. It just says enjoy life, but enjoy it in a way that glorifies God in accordance with his word. Does that make sense? Okay. Took me like four days to try to make sense of all of this. It says, so then, banish anxiety from your heart, cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless without God. Then he says, remember your creator. Remember your creator. I wish we could hang this from the tallest building in this country. Remember your creator. Because the fact of the matter is, if it wasn't for your creator or my creator, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we wouldn't even take our next breath. If it were not for the grace of God, we would not be looking forward to eternity with our Savior. We see Now we're going to come to the part, please don't throw tomatoes at me, okay? It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. This is Solomon's way of saying, you know what? When you're old, are you going to realize you're not young anymore? 
your bones hurt, right? You make sounds when you uh, get up from a chair, right? Uh, it, you know, it, it, it's a good day when you stay awake play it past 8 o'clock at night. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things happening here, but that's a product of age. He goes on to say, before the sun and the light set, the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, and he's trying to, to draw a, c a contrast here. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. Last couple of days I've noticed a lot of men, tall men, who have been weathered by age and walk stooped over. Remember Groucho Marx, right? He wasn't old, he just did that as a trademark. But when strong men stoop over, when grinders cease because they are few, uh, and those looking through windows grow, grow dim. Listen, we're all going to get old. When I say get, some of us are there. But that's no reason to stop glorifying God. I want to say that again. There's no reason to stop glorifying God. Remember Joshua and Caleb? Not my Caleb, but... You know, Joshua and Caleb. You know how old Caleb was when, uh, yeah, he was 80 years old. And Caleb, nobody would respond to, you know, continue the work. And this 80-year-old man says, I'll go. I'll go. But Caleb, he can hardly walk. I'll go. Many times God chooses the foolish things to glorify himself. Caleb has success, you know why? Because he was obedient to God. 80 years old. When I, you know, I meet people and they say, well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Listen, you have limitations. We all have limitations, correct? Our problem is we don't know how to live with those limitations gracefully many times. Because I want to suggest to you that even when we have the limitations of old age, if you're willing to be obedient to God, with those limitations, he will still use you in great ways. Let's finish this out. When the doors to the streets are closed in the sound of grinding phase, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. Is that the first thing that goes to hearing? When people are afraid of heights, that would be me, uh, and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along. You know, you picture that. You know, the grasshopper is supposed to jump everywhere, just drags its hind legs along. The desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal homes and mourners go about the streets. What's this saying? We're all gonna die someday, correct? But where we go eternally will depend on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through faith in him. The choice is ours. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. 
before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the well uh, broken at the well. These are all metaphors for what we face when we get old. And the dust returns to the ground from, uh, from where it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. You remember what Adam was created out of? Dust. Dirt. And guess what? The dirt we return. Correct? Right? But that's God's business. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teachers, everything is meaningless. Meaning, listen, if you're young, cultivate a relationship with God. Be discipled. Stay in the word. Pray. Worship. Live by faith according to God's word. If you're middle-aged, <laughs> the same rules apply. And if you're old, is anybody here old? Yeah. If you're old, the same rules apply. The only difference now is that we learn to accept our limitations as the province of God but we don't let that stop us to minister for his glory and cherish every day. Every day's a gift. Listen, if, if you want to uh, read an incredible book, read the story of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's so transparent. After becoming a quadriplegic by her own carelessness that she admits how there were days that she just wanted to give up she was mad at God but she tells the story of how God got her through she still has an active ministry today a quadriplegic who loves the Lord Jesus Christ there was a woman uh, in a church that um, Dr. Robert Cook pastored years ago, and she had uh, the worst form of vertigo you can have, uh, Meniere's disease, right? She had Meniere's disease. She couldn't even get out of bed because she just felt like she was on a constant spinning. So uh, her pastor, Bob Cook went over and visited her and she says I feel meaning you know useless and Bob Cook says why well look at me I can't even get out of bed I can't and I can't come to church I have no balance and he says let me ask you a question when people have need and they need a prayer warrior an intercessor who do they go to she said, me. He says, when people are hurting, who do they go to? She said, me. And he said, God is still using you for his kingdom. I don't care how old you are, you are never useless for the kingdom of God. The only time we become useless to him is when we have unconfessed sin or we're disobedient to him. 
Remember the verse that says God is no respecter of persons? That's the scripture's way of saying, get busy. Get busy doing what God has called you to do. And if you have limitations, just ask him to show you how to do what he has called you to do, and he will. And then every day becomes cherished. Amen? It's, uh, this is a tough passage, but it's so practical and so germane to today. One of the reasons why it's germane is because we live in a culture that really, um, whether they realize it or not, they want to throw away the old people. Okay? And that's wrong. Because when, when, we, um, when we just discard older people, we're getting rid of wisdom. I mean, real godly wisdom for, for believers. And people who can teach us much better. Older people have a lot to offer. Younger people have a lot to offer. And that's one of the things I, I really would like them to know. Because in a church, we should be learning from each other. Let's not write our younger people off as stupid or foolish or anything like that. But we can learn from each other. We need to be mentoring. We need to be training. And we need to understand that our younger people have a lot to offer. Do you realize, for the most part, if it were not for the younger people, we would have no praise team? Do you realize if we're not, we're not for the younger people, some of our functions wouldn't happen because these old bones can't lift a whole lot anymore, right? We are all valued in the eyes of God, which means we should value one another. Amen? I'm going to ask uh, the ladies to come up. I can say that because Chip isn't here today. Ladies, if you would come up. The last song I, I uh, chose was Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And the reason why I chose that, because <coughs> part of what we're talking about today is taking God at his word, correct? We take God at his word. He's always faithful to us. Not necessarily with the outcome we want, but with the outcome that will glorify him. Would you stand, please? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassion, save not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever wilt be. Great 
springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Before I close in prayer, um, there is no theological roundtable this week. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Pat. We'll continue after uh, uh, the holiday, after Thanksgiving. There is um, the school today. I'm going. I have to run up and teach uh, today. So we'll talk more about that next week. God is good, and all the time, He's always faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, send us away being blessed by your word, being challenged, and being comforted. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to give us your love letter, the Bible, to guide us, to show us what it is to live by faith. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. And all God's people said... God bless you, and I got to run, so I'll see you Wednesday night or next Sunday. <laughs>